This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live as we begin the second hour on a Thursday, the second day of the season of Lent, the day after Ash Wednesday. Uh, joining me, uh, Father James Gross, is Father Jason Leffer as we are priests of the Diocese of Fargo, come to you from our Grand Forks studio. We were visiting with one of our callers at the end of the last hour, Adam from Sioux Falls, and uh, that was a great um, uh, a great point that he had brought up with regard to Milton's Paradise Lost. Lost also, you know, I'm thinking of the the Sioux Falls skyline and and how majestic that twin-spired cathedral is on top of the tallest hill. And uh, Eli told us that um, the, the the illumination of the steeples is obstruction lighting. lighting. That's the word that he used, I guess. In so order that means to... the, the tall towers that have blinking lights on them. That's called obstruction lighting. We just learned something. Yes, I, I yes, the red lamps that uh, right. You know, the, the, the blinking lamps and stuff on, on the top in order to, um, yeah, like what you would often see on the wind turbines and, you know, wind farms and various things like that. So, yeah, you never know what you're going to learn about when you on tune real into Real Presence, Presence Radio. Radio. Absolutely. <laughs> and we have a, a, what, what's become a near and dear to our hearts, a monthly segment on looking at great works of literature. And we have some familiar voices here to, um, uh, to join us again today. We have Father William Slattery, a brother priest of from the Diocese of Fargo. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Good morning, fathers, and it's great to be with you today. And we also have with us Nancy Gord. Um, Welcome back to Real Presence Live, Nancy. Oh, thank you. And Father Gross, I would like, I was inspired today at Daily Mass, and I thought, I want to use this, introduce this segment. So there I was at Daily Mass doing the readings, and the readings are, they're gathered at the river and the voice of the Lord through Moses is coming and it says I set before you a choice today life or death blessing or curse coming under the Lord or turning back to Satan and I thought that is the great divorce of C.S. Lewis there it is and it, it was right there in in the liturgy and the readings and mass today and I thought what better way to introduce our our awesome segment today yes indeed well, thank you, Father. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, a, a great introduction into uh, our discussion today about, uh, you know, one of, uh, I think, maybe one of the lesser-known works of C.S. Lewis, um, but uh, a really a really powerful, uh, powerful book that uh, is centered on that choice that we have by free will, and that invitation that, as you say, Moses gives us, uh, that comes from the Lord, uh, to choose Him. And when we don't choose Him... Uh, that's kind of the experience that Lewis draws into our, our suffering of, of, of hell, is the, the, the rejection of God and what that brings to the human being. Right. So I look forward to our conversation today. Mm-hmm. And and before we get into some of the uh, the minutiae or like the details of the book, and and I think a, a spoiler alert is on tap here because <laughs> it, it's very much worth your while to read if you haven't. Even though we'll be talking about certain things, you know, about its ending, for example, and other things like that. You know, C.S. Lewis may be known to a lot of modern readers for science fiction sorts of things, but when you think about the context of Great Britain, especially during the Second World War, you know, he really was. I don't know if you would call it a voice of conscience, but he be, he was like a foremost um, uh, voice with regard to um, uh, belief in Jesus and uh, moral, you know, conversion of heart. So, Father, can you uh, speak a little bit to to that dimension of C.S. Lewis's life? 
Yeah, I think uh, particularly for, for Lewis, one of his very great impacts was the use of radio um, during that time of, of uh, intense suffering and, and trial for Great Britain. And uh, he became uh, just kind of a leading speaker as well as uh, a, a great communicator of the importance of faith. And also, uh, as I was talking with Nancy the other day, of uh, the reality of joy that comes from living the Christian life um, and how important those two things are in a, uh, a situation of life that is kind of unendurable. If you look mm-hmm. at warfare, uh, Britain, in that period, um, right. of a, just a, a seeming darkness that's there and the reality that comes from that experience of faith and joy that links us with the hope of, of, uh, of redemption and the hope that is promised in the gospel. Yeah, you think of the Battle of Britain and the uh, daily raids by the Luftwaffe and how uh, C.S. Lewis gave a series of talks on BBC uh, radio, which ended up being compiled in one of his better-known works, Mere Christianity, which is another great one to to dive into. But, um, uh, Nancy, could you just give us a little bit of a setup of this uh, story, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis? Oh, I'm happy to. Uh, What I think, as a person who's read a lot of books about road trips, when you hear just briefly that these people, these ghosts from hell, take a bus ride to heaven, you sort of assume it might be about the journey, but the journey to heaven is actually very brief, this plane, this level they reach. And what happens is that these ghosts from hell, and they're diverse characters with all kinds of baggage they bring from earth, right. but they are met by these heavenly spirits who, through really in a joyful discourse, reveals to them the error of their ways and the opportunity, fathers, to relinquish it. And when I spoke with Father Flattery earlier this week, what was astounding to me is that they are given the opportunity to let go of those things that are keeping them from being close to God. And Mm -hmm. they stubbornly refuse to and oftentimes refuse to even admit that what they have been doing has been keeping them from God, whether it is an artist or a pastor or a doting mother or a brow-beating wife. You know, mm-hmm. it, is, it is extraordinary to me that they don't seize that opportunity. Could, could we just pause? Because I don't want to go past this too quickly. You know, you, you mentioned the... the the person who meets each one of them and it's right this is kind of one of the geniusnesses of the his his the form that he used to express this was each one of the persons the one who comes to greet them is hugely significant and i i am inspired by his choice c.s lewis's choice for himself was george mcdonald and yeah. there's a whole history here. And again, I would recommend to our listeners, you know, George MacDonald was not Catholic, but he is powerful, powerful writing. And um, almost every one of his stories, there, there appears a, a woman or a witch or a wise woman. Or a, and it always seems confusing at first, and it always <coughs> ends up being Mother Church, who ends up saving or being instrumental in helping the person. But C.S. Lewis was, he was inspired incredibly by George MacDonald. He says he was, you know, basically his spiritual father in, in everything that he did. Um, and, and so anyway, I want to bring that out because it, it's like, there's such a huge connection there as well for our listeners and really, really encourage them. Um, there's a lot here to, to broaden your, your Christian 
perspective and experience just through this. And, and he does it with, with the folks from heaven who come and greet each soul from hell. Yeah, and actually, in the, the person of the narrator of the story, uh, C.S. Lewis, he is met by George MacDonald on that heavenly plane. And he is his spiritual guide right there. And actually, George MacDonald inspired a lot of writers. There's a long list. And, and he wrote, he was primarily fantasy writer, but like C.S. Lewis, covered a lot of Christian issues as well. And he also inspired Chesterton and Tolkien, so he was a huge influence on a lot of very thoughtful Christian writers. And, uh, and we uh, have, I think I, Go ahead, Father. Well, one of the things I just like that at the end, I think one of the things I love about this time period is just you see the joy of, of friendship uh, in this process of writing. I think, you know, today often writers get so competitive, uh, but you see the uh, kind of the Christian charity of friendship that drives people uh, to assistance, to help, to uh, dive into these, these truths of faith that are creative and uh, are, are meaningful to the human person. Here, here's a fun little story about C.S. Lewis, because going off the friendship that you mentioned, Father, um, so they, they had a group, and in, and in that group, they'd get together in a pub, and they'd smoke cigars and have a beer, and they would, they would share where they are in their writings and what's going on, and, and Tolkien, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, was one of those pub mates with C.S. Lewis who were there, and what's fascinating, a lot of people don't realize is that Tolkien, who he had, he had a strict understanding of how to do fantasy, and there's certain rules that you have to go by. C.S. Lewis, on his part, when it comes to fantasy, he had he he didn't go by all these rules, and he would mix metaphors and things. And go, so, for example, in the Chronicles of Narnia, he has Father Time show up with talking animals and all this or whatever. And there's this cute story about where Tolkien called him out and said, "You can't do that. You you're you're breaking the rules of fantasy." You know, and, and C.S. Lewis just put back on him and said, "Well, you stick by your rules. I'm gonna go." by my rules but i mean isn't that wonderful what, who wouldn't want to be part of one of those pub sessions with c.s lewis and J.R. tolkien and have a beer and just put, be part of that well when you come in and you experience the story of the great divorce it's like you're you're right there with these guys as they're sharing that christian friendship mm -hmm. and one thing about the great divorce i always call books where you're just you want to talk about so much that's in this book and it is not a long book there's so much in it to discuss that your tongue almost trips over all of the ideas he presents. Right. Yeah, you know, it. it, it to be honest, uh, at the beginning, it was taking a little bit for me to kind of get into it. But once we start getting into all these different vignettes, where the narrator is kind of allowing us to be a fly on the wall, so to speak, as we're hearing these conversations, but you know, between these various people, yeah, it really is a you know a, a rich. Um, don't uh, don't both of you think that is uh, just kind of a, a rich, not only imagination, but a very um, uh, perceptive observation of the world around him? You know, Lewis is paying really close attention to people's hang-ups and their attachments. Right, and he reveals, I think there is so much in mundane life that we don't realize that we're doing things that keep us from God. And I think one thing that is kind of a thread that runs through the entire book is the fact that a lot of people, well, the artist is a little bit different because it is brought to his attention that it was the light that brought you to your art. And now what has happened is your art and reputation are all no longer the light. Yeah. And that is separating you from God. But in a lot of cases, 
it, whether it is a father or a wife or a mother or a husband, it is those mundane things you do in your treatment of people which prevents them from being closer to God or realizing their full potential or making, really taking advantage of their own free will to make wise decisions. So there's a lot in here about how people manipulate others. You know, Nancy, to sum that up real quick before our break, there's another Protestant author, um, Oswald Chambers, who, and what you just described is a principle that he has where he says, the good often becomes the enemy of the best, and we cling to the good thing, which the love between the mother and the son, for example, or the husband and wife, right. well, that's a good thing. But if you're not willing to let that mm-hmm. go to receive the better thing, like eternal love, well, then you settle for the good thing, which causes you basically to go to hell because you refuse the eternal good. Right, right. And so we have to, we do have to step aside for a quick break, but when we come back, we'll get into some of these specific uh, examples and uh, also how the uh, ending of the great divorce may or may not leave a, a, a bitter taste in one's <laughs> mouth. So we're visiting with Nancy Gord and Father William Slattery, and we'll resume this conversation after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Do you want to make sure Real Presence Radio continues to receive your support in perpetuity? This can now be accomplished by establishing an individual endowment account in your name with a minimum gift of $10,000. A distribution will be made annually in your name to assure future generations will continue to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the mission of Real Presence Radio. To learn more about establishing an individual endowment for Real Presence Radio, a gift which will last in perpetuity, Please call me, Mike Kidrowski, at 701-290-4503. State tax credits may apply in some states. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross coming to you from our Grand Forks studios, reminding you that these daily episodes of Real Presence Live are replayed 
most every Saturday in Encore presentations in the order in which they were broadcast beginning at 6 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Mountain throughout the day on Saturday. And you can also download the podcast of these programs. Go to yourcatholicradiostation.com. And so we're talking about this uh, wonderful work, which is not all that long, as uh, Nancy had alluded to, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And um, the body of it consists of various vignettes, I guess you might say, these um, uh, testimonials on the part of the uh, ghosts who are entering into this area, and uh, they're very disacclimated by this, but they are met by uh, white spirits, or uh, otherwise referred to, who are trying to convince them to um, uh, have the Lord remove the obstacles that are standing in the way of them and uh, perfect beatitude in heaven. Uh, so there are, there are numerous examples. Uh, one in particular, I guess, that as a priest really struck me, there's the example of the, uh, the theologian, sort of the professional <laughs> theologian who is... Um, philosophizing, philosophizing about uh, the faith, whereas the one he's talking to is like, you know, let's, you know, get all that clutter out of the way. Just repent and believe. Is there any hope for us, Father Gross? (laughs) (laughs) So so that's just one example. Um, Perhaps uh, there are some others that really kind of bubble up to the surface for either of you and uh, what it is that they represent. Well, it's Going back to the uh, the pastor, who it, I really am curious to think what the three of you, what your take on it was, is that he posed this very interesting thing I'd never thought of before, and I don't know if it's interesting or if it borders on the absurd, but the idea that Christ died, a, you know, a young man, that had he lived longer, his right. world views may have changed. I yeah. thought that was such an unusual thing well, to mention. Yeah. Uh huh. Father Slattery, give us give us your your quick take on that. Well, I think uh, uh, yeah. So I'd say uh, like I mean, my kind of vignette. Are you talking about the the critique on the pastor or yes, my yes, own? on the pastor? The, yep. the oh, pastor. Yeah. Just, just well, uh, his fact that he thought had Christ lived longer. Yeah. His yeah, views think, or uh, his motivations of, or actions may have changed. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of it, I think, is centered, too, in, like, that reality of the, the priesthood um, that comes from Jesus Christ, too, of, like, some of the the energy that's come forward of, like, the asceticism and his ability to live, you know, isolated and celibate, and that there is there is another worldly quality, a prophetic quality to that example of life um, that uh, is a challenge. And so I think there's some people, uh, especially you see that kind of Church of England, a little bit of a you know, is there an easier way of living uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that becomes less prophetic? Um, Great. And, and yeah. one of the things that I notice with regard to that particular character is that he's so wrapped up in the speculative and the academic mm-hmm. that it occurs to him that he has a paper that he has to present, <laughs> and so he has to mm-hmm. go back down and, and engage in this, you know, in, in this continued activity. And you, know, you mentioned, you know, absurdity, sort of the blindness of all that can be uh, in favor, uh, you know, and, and to eschew that in favor of the what is comfortable, what he's gotten, the rhythm he's gotten into. So, so Nancy, the way it strikes me is immediately it contradicts uh, Christ's relationship with his father, because that, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. I mean, he yeah. and the father are one, and the reason he is who he is and when he dies and what is, is because of the father. And, and so if, if, if that was going to be a true theological thing, then there would have to be some kind of division between the father and the son, which, right. uh, you know, ultimately is not going to pan out. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
No, I'm just reading that. It reminds me. Oh. Go, no, ahead. go ahead, Father. Uh, well, just, uh, it just reminds me when, when I, I did my license uh, for my final year of theology, uh, my, my license director made sure he said, you know, you have to write some of these portions on your knees, he says, you know, and bring them to prayer. He said, you know, these aren't just neat ideas that, uh, that you're uh, kind of talking about and looking at and writing on. It's, a, you know, this is the eternal truth that comes uh, and it can only be understood through uh, a really deep experience of prayer. Mm-hmm. One more example I'd like to just uh, bring up here um, it has to do with uh, the uh, the woman whose son died in an untimely way. And, you know, there, there's a certain righteousness about her, you know, where she is defending her devotion to that, to that child and, and almost accusing God of a lack of righteousness in terms of the way he's operating. I thought, boy, aren't there a lot of people who might find themselves in that, in that sort of uh, position as well? And she can see absolutely nothing wrong with that obsessive mother love, even though the the spirit who comes to visit her, I believe, is her brother and not the son. And she still is going, where is my son? Where is my son? And her brother, the spirit, the heavenly spirit... (laughs) I'm right here! (laughs) Yeah, yeah, is going, you know, your daughter, your husband suffered because of that love. And she cannot see it, or she, re- she refuses to. Most of the time, I can't decide if these people refuse to, or they are incapable of seeing well, you know what's keeping stru- them from God. What struck mm-hmm. me especially about that was the influence of George MacDonald coming through, because you, mm-hmm. you can just see that's the direct contrast of the Blessed Virgin Mary, right? Who, mm-hmm. who she completely receives the, the Father's will, and it, you know she had pain, and sorrow in that separation, but she she didn't demand anything or pass judgment on God, but said, okay, maybe I don't get this or understand it, but I, your will be done, and it leads to salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, before we, uh, time is uh, racing by quickly, so I want to make sure to get this in before we have to take our leave of you. Um, I think it was just off-air last month as we were previewing this, Father Slattery, you um, had referred to the experience of some of the students at the school where you are about um, what they thought of the way this book ends, <laughs> and that uh, there may have been a desire to uh, rewrite it, or like a dissatisfaction with that. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Uh. Yeah, I think uh, we, we kind of chose to return to a little bit of a narrative approach for our religion classes here, just trying to help with the reading comprehension, um, some of the struggles that are there, um, but also just uh, really tie in some of these Christian themes in a in a way that's just not you know speaking to them um, personally, and, and like from me as a lecturer or as the religion teacher, just telling them what they can encounter in a more um, organic way. And the, you know, so we chose uh, for eighth grade they were going to read this book and. At first, I was like, I don't know. I read this in in high school, so I don't know. How I was going to translate down, uh, but they loved it. It was a great experience. Uh, I mean, and one of the things they did at the project at the end was they gave them opportunities in which they could, uh, you know, do uh, some type of project on the Great Divorce. And one of them, you know, was kind of this, you know, because as the kids were reading it, the the ending was something that some of them found to be, you know, just kind of problematic. Uh, the ending is that this was kind of a, a dream reflection, and that, the, you know, the person wakes up at the end. Uh, kind of a classic movie ending <laughs> twist. Um, <laughs> right. And uh, 
And so, you know, one of the students, uh, one of the things that they did is they did write some alternative endings, of, of and one of them was uh, one of the characters uh, choosing to let go and then going forward to the experience of heaven and what that looks like. So it was kind of written through that perspective, which was a very, uh, yeah, it was a very beautiful uh, piece of writing. Um, and so one of the fruits that came with that was just seeing how the students are engaging with this material in a way that... Uh, is 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 real um and it's profound and it's impacting their own understanding of their need for god and the understanding of how they can use their free will uh to rely upon his grace and to uh to love him so so nancy or, or father either one uh, you know for me actually the, the real ending of the book happens at the the vision of the sidewalk you know the crack in the sidewalk where but basically right. lewis gives us this image where what hell is, is you become smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and smaller for all of eternity. And you get further and further and further and further away. Further away. And heaven is you become bigger and larger and more real, more real, more real, more real, more real. And and this image where he looks like the bus went down, it was like this little, what seemed like this huge cliff that they came up out of or whatever, but hell actually existed down this little tiny crack in the sidewalk, you know? I don't know. Can you guys give us your reflection on that uh, quickly to wrap up here? Well, I just got the impression that the the glory and the goodness of God is so vast and so all-encompassing, and the meanness and those things that keep us from God just take us away from that grandeur and make us smaller and smaller and smaller. And, And when you talk about the great divorce, There is great mention there towards the end of the book where a woman, and I think this has to do with the dwarf and the very tragic character to whom he's attached, Uh, the fact that that heaven is all joy and all there for us and all-encompassing. And you make yourself smaller and less and less and less when you remove yourself from those things that lead us to God. And then the grace of God, you know, overcomes these obstacles that one is prone to hang on to, you know, to the the, the gentleman who confronts the uh, spirit who had been, whom he knows had, had murdered somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, to, to just kind of be frozen in that rather than to experience a profound forgiveness, you know, as though that weren't even available to them. Well, such a great book to read during Lent, because we, prayer is such an important component of this season, and not only to pray to, to really discover in ourselves those things we do that we may not be mindful of uh, yeah. consciously that keep us from being closer to God and allowing other people to be closer to God. Right. And uh, Father Leffer and I were just visiting earlier today how, you know, for example, the parable of the prodigal son, depending on when a person sits down and prays with that, you might identify with one character more than the other. Well, I would think that this is something where, let's say, in a couple of years, if I pick it up, uh, The Great Divorce, there's going to be a certain story, a certain character that I that, that resonates with me in terms of it sort of convicts me about uh, obstacles in my own heart. So thank you very much, mm-hmm. uh, Father Slattery and Nancy, for uh, joining us today and uh, we heartily recommend The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Uh, blessings to you and your day. Thank All right. you Thank so you. much. 
Thank you. Well, coming up, we have uh, another segment uh, with a brother priest of ours from the Diocese of Fargo. If you've heard the word basilica, but are wondering what that means and how those decisions are made, we have just the person to talk to. And we'll visit with Father Bernie Fowle on the other side of this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. (music) 